Let us pray. Loving God, send your Holy Spirit among us in the ways it confounds us and puzzles us, in the ways it inspires us and empowers us, in the ways it wreathes through our souls and our lives, creating ways of possibility we might never have even imagined. And in so doing, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts be truly acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The day of Pentecost is one of those confusing and somewhat confounding days in the church year. I consider it at least are almost as important as Easter to celebrate. It happens 50 days after, after Easter, just as the Jewish holiday of Shavuot happens 50 days after Passover. And yet, I'm very aware that in our lives, in the 21st century, at least in the greater Boston area, perhaps all over this country, we get caught up in this season of the year and many other things. Graduations, weddings, baby showers, and particularly in the church year, we have a lot going on. After Easter, we had the Brahms Requiem, and then we had many activities in May, including our Rite 13 gathering, our stewardship campaign, our Consecration Sunday, this past weekend, our, our Strawberry Festival, next weekend, our participation in Boston Pride and the All-Parish Meeting, trying to put our budget together at this time of year, putting our slate of nominees for the coming year for our officers in the church. Plenty going on around us and within the walls of this sanctuary. All good things, all plenty to choose from, but you can feel a bit blown about by it all. I know Susan and I say at this point of the year, at least I say, that I feel like we're a bit at mile 24, 25 of the marathon. And so to take a breath of the Holy Spirit, to remember this moment in our early history as people of faith, as the church, is an important thing for us to do. Now in my weekly letter, I shared with you some quotes from one of my favorite sermons, for, for me the definitive sermon about the Holy Spirit, which invites us to take a breath. So go ahead and take a breath. And to blow it out, maybe even audibly blow out a breath, take another one and audibly blow it out. You see, the word conspire means to breathe together. So together we just launched a conspiracy. A breathing together of the Spirit, taking it in. And that's some of the idea of the Holy Spirit, perhaps the trickiest part of the Trinity for us to explain. Most of us understand God the Creator, the one who set into motion the universe and the planets and the stars and the water and the earth and our hearts in motion again and again and again. That's a concept we can easily put our minds around. Or Jesus, the anointed one, the one who walked on the earth among us, living and breathing as a human being, showing us what it looks like to be a human being and in touch, fully divine. But the Holy Spirit's a little bit different. And for those of us who like to think in a linear fashion or in a very orderly fashion, the Holy Spirit doesn't often work. Because the Holy Spirit can mess us up. 
Whenever something good happens that we don't expect, I often call it the work of the Holy Spirit. You might call it coincidence or synchronicity like Carl Jung did, but I think theologically, if we use that language, we often say it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Just as a few examples around here, when we said we wanted a new grand piano, but we didn't know if we'd ever come up with the money for it, and then out of the blue, a family from Cape Cod said they had this 1893 refurbished grand piano, Steinway, they'd just like to give someone. I said, the Holy Spirit must be at work. And this piano now has served us well in a number of functions and hopefully will for many years to come. Or when we talked about having an industrial dishwasher down in the basement to replace our 1930s broken down version that only one person knew how to work, one just came to us for free from one of the missions that we help support, Saturday, Sunday's Bread. And I tend to say, that's the Holy Spirit at work. In ways we couldn't have invented ourselves through a concatenation of events that had something to do outside of us. I also think whenever we breathe together, whenever we remember to calm our souls and our parasympathetic system, that is invoking the Holy Spirit. It's exactly what our Buddhist friends know to do through insight meditation, to just take a breath, the same breath that breathed over the waters of creation, the same breath that went through Jesus and his disciples and out again, the same breath that the squirrels and the orcas and the loons and a grandchild taking a first bite of an apple in an orchard breathes, is that breath. I sent you in the words of Barbara Brown Taylor this week the idea from our earth science that the same air is the, that we breathe now is the air that has been there throughout creation. The same air that Lincoln and Michelangelo and Jane Addams and Adam and Eve and Jesus all breathed, as well as she points out, even Hitler and Lizzie Borden, something we have to contend with as well, the breath that we share, the first breath of a baby and the last breath we breathe on this earth is all shared air that gets recycled through the environment. These are just some of, some of the ways that we can think about the Holy Spirit. But when we think about that crazy day of Pentecost, when the church went from 120 people, still trying to figure out who they were going to be, and by the end of that chapter, they've reached 3,000 people, and as you've seen through the millennia, still growing, that was a day when people were willing to let the Holy Spirit do amazing things beyond their control, beyond their power, beyond their imagination. It was a moment when the Holy Spirit descended in this fantastic way. It's one of those stories that for 21st century Christians, it's a little hard for us to wrap our heads around, or even to believe that that could actually happen. But it was a day that set them loose, that freed them. It was also a day that we say the church was born, that it is the church's birthday on Pentecost, and I have to say, I've never found that completely compelling, except if that was a day when people could understand one another across languages and all come together and live into the words of the prophet Joel that all people could be saved, then that is a legacy for us to continue, to listen to one another, to hear each other through our differences, to just breathe together and be one with the Holy Spirit. Now the question is whether God still works that way. 
Does God still blow through closed doors or set our heads on fire? Or does God have the power to transform us both as individuals or as people? Or have we come to some sort of unspoken agreement that God is old and tired by now, someone to whom we may address our prayer requests, but not anyone who we really ex expect to change our lives? Now, the thing about the Holy Spirit is sometimes you just have to sit still and ask for the Holy Spirit to come. Come, Holy Spirit, very easily and take a deep breath to calm yourself down. I often find I need that Holy Spirit prayer when I'm in traffic or in a stressful situation just to let the Holy Spirit breathe through me. But some of these coincidental incidences that I described to you we might write off as ESP or coincidence or hormones or something else. Each of us has the right to name our own experience, but you might think of them as Holy Spirit acts. And here's a way to think about this. One of the ways that the Holy Spirit always works is to give us a new sense of beginning. Say, for instance, you may have been in a bad mood for the past year, and it seems that all you're doing is moving bricks from one pile to another, back and forth, at work, at home, in your sleep, just moving bricks until you do not care whether it is night or day. And then one of those nights, you're lying awake in your bed, and you hear a bird sing outside, and then another, and you think, why are they singing in the middle of the night? It is the edge of morning, and the bird chirps again, and something inside of you stirs again and softens, and you take a deep breath, a really deep breath, for the first time in months, and your chest and your heart open up, and you get a second wind, and you can start again. You can call that whatever you want, but try calling it the Holy Spirit. Another way the Holy Spirit works is to welcome us back into a new kind of relationship. You might have had this happen. You're estranged from someone you really care about because of something you said or did or something the other person said or did. It doesn't really matter what happened. The point is that we're tired of it and we start plotting ways to get through it. We draft letters and emails. We, we practice phone calls, but they don't come out right. We're still hanging on to some sort of hurt or anger and it keeps leaking through in our lives in strange ways. And then for no apparent reason, one day inside of us, a voice says, now, now is the time. And so we grab the phone and we say hello, and the rest is history. Our hearts open up, the words come out, and a reunion gets underway. Call it whatever you want, but try calling it an act of the Holy Spirit. You see, these intimate kinds of encounters are so potent that it's easy to stop with them, but the truth is the Holy Spirit can work in hundreds of ways in people at the same time. For instance, in large rooms full of people who have come together to make a decision. This happens in churches all the time. One by one, people come into the church with their own agenda. Some of them come fearfully. Some come ready to defend themselves. And then someone takes a moment to say a prayer, and people begin to talk, and for no apparent reason, things begin to shift. People become creative together, coming up with ideas that none of them have thought about on their own. And it's as if a fresh wind blows through the church, through that room, and it clears everyone's heads. You can call it whatever you want, but try calling it an act of the Holy Spirit. It's probably important to realize that 
right before this event happened on the day of Pentecost, the early church leaders were in a nominating meeting committee meeting, trying to figure out who was going to replace Judas as a disciple. And right after that, they got caught up figuring out how to do Christian education and serving the poor and the sick, the business of the church that we're sorting out all the time. But in the middle of this, they had this powerful Holy Spirit moment where the church was breathed through by something other than themselves, and they could understand one another across differences. You see, once you start getting the hang of paying attention to Holy Spirit, it becomes easier and easier to spot her. Whenever two plus two does not equal four, but five or something else, whenever you find yourself speaking with a kind of eloquence that you didn't know you had, or offering forgiveness that you did not mean to offer, or committing random acts of kindness and senseless acts of beauty, or receiving them, whenever you find yourself taking risks that you didn't know you had it in you to take, or reaching out to someone you had intended to walk away from, it's a pretty sure bet the Holy Spirit is trying to work in you. And more than that, it's important that we take it in, that we breathe it in, we breathe it out, we take God from the world and give God back to a world again with some of us attached to it. So I invite us to take a breath and blow it out and to keep breathing this moment-by-moment biological gift of the Holy Spirit. You can call it air, you can call it breath, 